0: Here we are at goodness. We've been going through the fruit of the Spirit, and uh, we've talked about love. Remember, we talked about the love of God and how that love, that sacrificial love that provided a means for our salvation is the basis for who we are. And out of that love, because we have security within that love, we have a promise that, that if we are in Christ, that our lives are held in his righteous right hand, and it says that no one can remove it. Because of that, we have a hope that transcends this place, a hope that is greater than the world that we live in. And it's also greater and transcends the struggles and the difficulties and the trials that we can have. Therefore, we can have joy. We can have the manifestation of joy in our lives as well, because we have a hope that's greater than this world. We can also have peace. We can have a peace um, and again, we talked about how that is a shalom peace. It's a, it's a wholeness. It's, it's not just the absence of conflict in our lives. It is actually the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And again, in, in times and in places where it should appear that we wouldn't have any peace, we can have a peace that transcends all understanding because of what God has done for us, and because of the power of who he is. We talked about patience. We talked about that thing nobody wants to talk about, which is patience and being patient. Don't pray for that, right? But we talked about the reality of how much we actually need patience in our lives. We need to learn to be patient. We talk about and understand the patience of God in our own lives, and we understand, too, that this patience and this peace is something that isn't static. It's something that is moving through a very difficult and troublesome and hard world with us and providing for us the things that we need. And we talked about if you're not patient, you're probably not going to be kind because we ought to be patient with people to be kind and we understand the patience that God has had towards us and the kindness of who God is. We talked a little bit about how kindness doesn't always look necessarily, that sometimes kindness isn't always the way we would necessarily define it or have it be in our lives, but that God is always kind. He isn't ever trying to be kind. He just is kind. And then now with goodness, goodness is really the action of kindness. It's the manifestation of kindness into action. It shows itself in goodness. And throughout all of the scripture and throughout all of uh, what we would read, we see all kinds of good things. We see good news, good fruit, good gifts, good teacher, good soil, good portion good servant, a good father, a good shepherd, and we see good works, and that doesn't even scratch the surface of the goodness of who this God is. You see, the message of the Bible really is about the rebellion of, of humanity and the goodness of God and the nature and relationship between the two of those. It, it, it's, a, it's a spiritual book that, that tells us and teaches us about who we are in contrast many times to this good God That we know. We see that God created, and every time that He created and and, and closed a creation day um, in the Bible, we see that He did it, and it was good. It was good. Everything that God does is good. Everything proceeds out of God's goodness. There is nothing that comes from God that doesn't proceed out of his goodness. Last week, we even talked about the idea that when God judges or he brings judgment or difficult times or trials or circumstances, both to a nation's or to us individually, it actually proceeds out of his goodness. It, it, it's not just this idea. It's, it's good for God to set boundaries. It's good for God to uh, to back those boundaries up. It's good for God to not allow Sin and evil to just go rampant for on and on and on and on. It's good that He would bring an end to things. Whatever God does, whatever God says, is good. It's all good. The things that He does, the 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 precepts that God gives us, the commandments that God gives us, His Word, everything there is out of His goodness, and it's for our own goodness. It's for our flourishing. It's it's for our freedom. It's to help us to know and to be able to navigate this life, and it all proceeds out of his goodness. God created, and it was good. The problem was is that that God gave us one thing to to, to not do. He gave one command in the garden, and that was, was to not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And remember that, that knowledge was not just the knowledge of evil, it was also the knowledge of good. The problem with that is that we took that goodness, and, and what we did is we began to define it for ourselves. The Hebrew in that literally means that, 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 that to go and to do that is that, you know, when, when this deceptor came, and when Satan came and deceived uh, Adam and Eve, the, the, the thing that he was telling them, and the thing that he was speaking to Eve was that, was, oh, oh, God knows, you know, he knows that in the day that you eat of that, that you will be like him that you won't need him anymore, that you will determine for yourselves what is good and what is evil. You won't need God anymore. And this is the core deception that we as human beings live under is this idea that we can define even goodness on our own terms and how we would see it. It's this idea that God was withholding from us, that, that this is a God who's not a giving and And gracious God, but this is a God who is withholding good things from us. Did God really say? Oh, sure. He knows that if you get a hold of that, that he'll lose the power and the and and and, and you won't be his slave or he won't be your master anymore, those kinds of things. But we understand God to be good, to understand Him that all that proceeds, any goodness that proceeds out of anything. It's always good with him. There's There's no variation in his character. There's no shadow in him. There's no darkness in him at all. He never tempts us with what is evil or wrong or any of those things. It all, he is a good father, and he gives good gifts. He's a God who is so good that he would seek those who run from him. He causes the rain to fall both on the righteous and the unrighteous. And he saves those who have made an enemy of him. The, the Greek words that for, for good in, in the New Testament are agathos. And, and agathos means this idea of what is intrinsically good. And then there's kalos, which means that which is intrinsically good, but is an expression beyond the goodness. It points to the very source of that goodness. It points all the way to God. And this is the kind of goodness that we are looking to and talking about. And what would be really good is if I have my, my clicker. That would be good. <laughs> Psalm 106, verse 1, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. And for his steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures how long? Forever. How long is forever? It's forever. There is no end to it. There is no place where He gets enough, where He's full, where He's done with us, where you've went too far, where where you've where you've messed up, where you've gone beyond the scope of His grace, and you just outcind His grace, and now it's too late for you. No, this God's love is an everlasting. Love It endures forever and ever. His goodness proceeds out of him always and forever. We don't just see this in this psalm. We see it in Psalm 107, Psalm 118, Psalm 136. And the overlaying absolute message of the Bible is God in his goodness. Mark 10, verses 17 and 18. This is Jesus, and this is the rich young ruler, and, and as he comes up to Jesus, and they have this interaction, and he says, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God. So now Jesus has just set the standard for us. The reality of it is, is nobody is good except God. God is the only source of goodness. He is the only one who is always good. He's always benevolent. He is always good, and that's very different from anything else. Now, Jesus, when he does this, he's asking this guy a question. He's saying, who do you say that I am? Because if God alone is good, is Jesus good? Well, yes, Jesus is good, and so it's a proclamation. It's, a, it, it's him proclaiming himself to be deity, to be God himself. Why would you call me good when no one is good except God alone? So only God is good, and Jesus is God. Well, what about us? We're pretty good, aren't we? we're basically good. Come on. I mean, we're pretty good. I mean, I yeah, come on. I mean, you guys you pretty much do the you pretty much do the right stuff, right? Uh, you, we're in process, right? Yeah. Exactly. What does the Bible say about good people? It says there aren't any. Says <laughs> bad news, guys. Sorry. Sorry. See, the world starts from this from this place. It starts from this idea that, that we're good. That we're born good and pure and and all of these things. And it's only our experiences and our environment that would take us or move us in in another direction. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we're we're basically born with a a propensity towards what's wrong. If you ever raise kids, you kind of get this, right? Nobody ever said this. Little Johnny or little Janie, gosh, they're so perfect. They're amazing. They've never done anything wrong. They've never... Hit anybody? They've never been selfish with their toys. Uh, they, they've never uh, they, they, they've, they've 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 never lied. They've never been manipulative. They've never stolen a cookie. None of that stuff. I mean, gosh, we better teach them those things so that they can get along in this world that's really messed up, right? No, what? No parent ever said that, right? Little Jannie or little Johnny naturally hit, steal, lie, manipulate, and parenting is a process of helping them. To, to not do those things. Discipline is the process of seeing in our children the things that won't bless them in their lives and helping them to make the, the, uh, the, the necessary changes in their behavior to be able to kind of do life and to get along and to do things well and, and, and to be blessed. And so, but, but see the world, but so this is the place where we start from. We start from a brokenness that's just within us. And, and, and this, the problem with that is that, is that uh, we, we bring that brokenness with us into everything, and it's the very thing that keeps us from being really good, like God is. Romans 3, 9 through 18, sums it up for us. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of ass is on their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace. They have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Aren't you glad you came this morning? This is how the Bible describes us. And not just there at all. Uh, Psalm 53 deals with this. Uh, Psalm 14, Isaiah 59. uh, This idea that the reality of it is, Romans uh, uh, 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of his righteousness. All of us. That none of us are really good, and so the, what's that done? That that's taken and created a whole new economy in which in which it says that is that God has wrapped us all up in sin. This is somewhere in Romans. I can't remember where. I promise you though, uh, He's wrapped us all up in sin so that He might be merciful to all of us. So so that this isn't a this isn't a economy of how well you've done. This isn't a, an economy of well, I'm you know I'm better than than that guy over there. Maybe not as good as that one over there, but I'm much better than that person, so therefore I'm at, you know. It, it's not weighed like that. It's not weighed on our works or who we've been. It's, it, it's weighed only in the goodness of God and who he is. See, we're not sitting there, we're not sitting here on the scales of this world going, I don't know, man, where am I at? I don't know. I'm somewhere between Adolf Hitler and Mother Teresa. <laughs> you know, I don't know exactly where I'm at on that scale, but I'm not that and I'm not that, you know. It doesn't work that way. We're all wrapped up in sin so that he might be merciful to everyone. So that everybody, to whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord, can receive forgiveness of their sins, can be made a new creation, can be set into a new path and a new direction, filled with the Holy Spirit, so that these principles and these things that we're talking about, that the fruit of the Spirit might become evident in our lives. It might become an outflow, not because we're trying to do it, but because now the God of the universe, the creator of all things, have invaded the space within us, and he's beginning to sanctify us and change us, and he's pushing that sin. He's pushing it out, he's moving it out of his, our lives and different kinds of traits and characteristics are starting to show up. things that look like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. These things are become a part of our lives and, and part of who we are. Matthew 7:11, "If you then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven give good things? To those who ask him. So, what is it saying? Well, it says that we're capable of doing some good things. If you are capable of giving good gifts, though you're evil, so that there's there's a problem with our motives many times. There's a problem inside of us again. But but if we're able to do and to accomplish some good things, then how much more is a God who within him there is no shifting of shadow? There is no uh, there, there, there is no sin, there is no uh, ugliness, there is no greed, there is nothing. None of those kinds of things that pop up in us are a part of him. And, and then how much more could we trust this father who is going to give good things to those who ask him? Sometimes we feel like, you know, that God is just up there and he's just waiting, right? Just, just with, the, with the, that finger and that lightning bolt, just, you know. But he's not like that. He's a father who gives good things. He's got good for you. He's got good plans for you and I. See, Paul understood this problem very well. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Have you ever found yourself doing something different than what you intended? The Results kind of change. You wanted to do the right thing, but dang it. Ended up doing the thing I didn't want to do. Story of my life. Story of who I am in all honesty. I don't understand myself, and that's what it talks about. I don't understand who this guy is in here who's done some of the things that he's done in the past. I don't understand that shadow figure that runs around in my past that's me. But you see, Paul goes on to say this. He says, who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. This is the answer. You see, God is, is, is providing in his goodness an answer for us. He's giving us something different. He's giving us a different outcome. And even though we have this reality that we're all fallen beings, that the Holy Spirit is at work, and he wants to recreate us into something completely new and different. He, he wants to have, he wants to have the, the, the fruit of the Spirit evident in the lives of God's people so that God's people might go out of these doors today and exhibit the character and the nature of who God is to the world that desperately needs to see that. God is at work in the hard things. Romans eight twenty eight. We know that, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, all things work for the good. For those who love him and who are called according to his purposes, that's the, that's the catch in that. You see, there are things that happen in this world, things that happen every day. There's incredible, terrible evil that happens every day that does not get worked for the good. It's not that God doesn't desire to work it for the good. It, it, it's that there's it's never brought to him. But see, when you're one of God's children and something tr- uh, trying, something difficult, something painful comes into your life, you can trust and know that God is in it. He's in the details and he's at work. And that he will work all things for the good for those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. This is the promise. And and, and this is this is something that... I thought a lot about, and I'm so grateful for this, I'm so grateful that the God of the universe is involved and is a part of the hard times that come into our lives. Imagine, I mean, what a terrifying thing to think that he's absent, that in those times that he's gone, that he's not working it for the good, that he's not doing something in our lives to change us, to grow us. Something in which we could consider it even pure joy knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance. And endurance has a perfect and complete effect in our lives. It's, it's a God who is taking the brokenness of the world around us and he's changing it in a way what we want him to do and what the world wants him to do is just get rid of it. Just eradicate it. Just get rid of the, uh, the, the, the pain. Get rid of the suffering. God, why would you allow it? If you're a loving and good God, why would you allow these things? But see, God and his greatest promises for us will be fulfilled when we leave this place, when we go to what's to come. But for now, there's a very much a difficult reality in this world that we live in. And God is rescuing people out of this. He's pulling people out of it. Instead of, he, he's, he's not coming to change the world at this point in the way that we would want him to. But he's changing individuals within the world. And then he's sending them out into the world to bring change and to change agents in this world. I'm so thankful that God is at work in the good in the difficult, in in the things that I don't understand, that I can trust and I can know that there is a good God with good intent who's benevolent and who is for us, and he's at work even in our most painful times. See, we have a, a concept sometimes about, and we do this in the church all the time, we say, we basically turn it all into easy is good. If it's easy then it's good. We do it a lot. We say things like this. Well, God opened the doors. And I'm not saying God doesn't open doors. God does open doors. But you see what we're doing when we say that a lot of times. We're saying, if the doors all open, if they just all just open, 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 no problems, then that's God's will. In other words, if God makes it easy for me, then that's God's will in my life. Not necessarily. God God uses difficult times. There are times, I think there are times where God wants us to go and beat on some doors a little bit. Push on some doors a little bit at times. That he wants to see us grow in character and nature and perseverance. That we would continue to, if we trust and we know that this is his door, that this is his way or what he's calling us to. That the first time we run up to a door that doesn't just open for us, we wouldn't quit. But that we would say, wait a minute. No, I believe, and I'm trusting. I'm trusting in his goodness. I'm trusting in that he has got this for me, and I'm going to push a little bit on this door. Now, now, now you've got to be careful with that. We don't want to try to kick doors down that God is closing, but we also don't want to come to this idea that it's only God's will if it's easy. If it's easy, then it must be his will. No, very few things in life, when they're easy, are appreciated or make much difference in our lives. These things tend to, tend to just, we, we tend to gloss over them. We tend to not really have any kind of a change. We, we tend to not appreciate those things. Sometimes we've got to become a people who understand that hard is good, that there's a good effect that comes into our lives through sometimes the things that are hard and difficult. But it doesn't mean that God isn't good. In his goodness, he's allowing some things to change our character. See, this is a good God. He says this, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches or no moth destroys. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also God is calling us to be a kingdom-minded people, a people who recognize that there are two different economies at work. There's the economy of this world, but God is calling us to go through the economy of this world and up into his economy where there's blessing, to trust him, to believe on him, to not just to, to live in this world for all of the things, to not just be consumers to the nth degree, to recognize that God is calling us to have margins in our lives for others. To not just be about ourselves and our own wishes and what we can have and what we can possess, but to understand that there's a greater thing to invest in. There's a greater kingdom than mine to invest into. And the only way to do it is to push through the economy of this world because if I subject myself to the economy of this world, I'll reap out of the economy of this world. But if I can push through and believe and trust this good God has plenty for me. That there's a place where the things that we're doing and what we're doing have an eternal impact and an eternal significance. That it means something, not just for the here and now, but forever and ever and ever. These money bags that, that don't grow old, they don't fall apart. Treasure that never fails, that no thief can steal or no moth can destroy. And he leaves us with this thought, because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. It's where you'll be. It's, it's what you'll serve. If we, if we put our hope and everything about ourselves into the things of this world, then that's where our heart will be too. And our heart won't be aimed and pointed towards a greater kingdom, towards eternal things. We'll miss out on a lot of things. Your heart abides with your treasure. It's calling us not to agree with this world and not to invest into this economy. Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We all want to know the will of God. What's God's will? What's God's will in my life? How can I? Well, here it is. Change your mind. Change your mind. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't agree with this world. Begin to agree with God. That's That's repentance. Repentance is is agreeing with who God is, with what his word says. And that by testing, when when we understand and we know God's word, we can test and we can discern what God has to say against what the world has to say. And when we're doing that and we're understanding that and we're beginning to live in what God is calling us to when he's renewed our minds and through this process of sanctification, he's changing our minds, he's recreating us into his Uh, his image, and our mind is being renewed, we'll begin to understand what the will of God is in our lives. We'll begin to see it for what it really is. And it's good, it's acceptable, and there's no better plan. It's perfect. There is no better plan for you and I than to be within God's will and to be doing the things that God is calling us to do. You'll find no better satisfaction. You'll get no better return. None of those things. It will always be superior and perfect to what the world will offer us. Amen. God is good. And the gospel reminds us of that. You see, the gospel is the ultimate expression of God's goodness to you and I that He saved us, that He knows you, that He's done everything so that you and I can have eternal life. Psalm 107. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their heads down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction, they loathed any kind of food, and they drew nearer to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent, them out, he sent out his word, and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving, and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters." They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storms be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste, because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to dwell in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless waste. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad, and all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. This is the God that we're talking about, the God who has rescued us from multiple different scenarios. Each of us in here can give testimony and talk about where we were at and now where we're at because of what God has done in our lives. It's the gospel, and we need to, as God's people, allow the gospel to continue to sink in. Micah 6.8, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? What does he require of you but to do justice? To do justice means to, means to care for those who are marginalized. It means, to, it means to care about our neighbor. It means to make sure that things are right and that when we do business, we do it in the right way. We do it in a way that, 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 that works, that's not, just, that's not filled with greed and all of those kinds of things. It means we remember that this is a ministry to the least of these and we serve those needs. And when we do that, Jesus says we're doing it for him. And the goodness of who God is, it begins to be an outflow out of our lives. That word right here where it says, and to love kindness, some, some uh, versions say to love mercy. The word also means everlasting love. It means to, it means to carry on with people. It means for us to be long-suffering, and when, when we're dealing with people or folks or situations or scenarios, and we're getting frustrated and we're running out of patience, it means to have an everlasting love, the kind of love that endures, the kind of love that begins to mirror the kind of love that God has had for us. And we're called to continue into this. We're called to have a pure religion. The book of James tells us that pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God of, of God our Father is this, it's the care of widows and orphans and to keep oneself unstained from the world. If you want to get religious, God says, that's a great thing to get religious about. Go out and take care of the marginalized people around you. Go and love on them. Go provide for them and walk humbly with God. Isaiah 1:17, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always to do good to one another and to everyone, both within the church and outside of the church. We need to seek to do what is good. You see, the life of Christ is meant to be lived out in his people, And when God's goodness begins to take root in our lives, we begin to care more about others. We begin to, the the verse that says, consider others as more important than yourselves becomes a, a reality in our lives. You see, it's in the realm of everyday life that goodness is tested Sometimes we want to have some major good thing and some opportunity and, oh, we'll, we'll do some good thing, a benevolent thing, and those are good things, but I want to tell you that the testing of goodness is lived out in the small things in our lives on a daily basis, all the time. It's how are we good in the scenarios of the situations where people are testing our patience or, or we're parenting or our marriages or our community or our church body. The goodness, the real goodness is lived out in these small things in the realm of just everyday life. John Wesley said this, and then we'll close. Do all the good that you can by all the means that you can to all the people that you can as long as you can. Lord, may that be us. May may the goodness of who you are be reflected in our lives. God, we thank you that you are good. That there is nothing in you, there is no variation, there is no shifting shadow. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Out of you proceeds all goodness. You are the only one that is truly good. But by your spirit and and, and through your process of sanctification, you you tell us that, that the goodness of you could flow out of us. that that if we can be plugged in and we can walk close enough that we can be rooted in you, that these aspects, these characteristics, this fruit of the Spirit can become evident in our lives. May that be the case, Lord. May we we seek your goodness. May we seek justice. May we do what's right and upright. God, may may we pursue your righteousness. And Lord, may we show the love of Jesus to the world as we go out of here today i just pray over each and every person here today i'm praying that whatever you have for them god whatever the ministry is that you have for them that in the small things in the mundane things that today and throughout the week they would walk in the goodness of the spirit that they would walk filled with your spirit god fulfilling the ministry understanding the will of the one who is sending us and and walking as an ambassador to Jesus. Lord, I just pray over every person's ministry and what you have for them this upcoming week. We don't want to miss anything, Lord. We want to walk in all of the fullness and all of the goodness that you have. And Lord, help us. Help us to be patient and not just frustrated. Help us to be uh, long-suffering. Help us to, to have an everlasting love like you do. Help us to express that love to a world that is enemies, the enemy to who you are. But God, we understand that we too We were once the enemy to you and that through your goodness and your grace, you've revealed and we've tasted and we've seen that you are good. Help us, Lord, that we might have that message on our lips this week. In Jesus' name, amen.